Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Man, we've got a lot going on. I just want to highlight, you know, Bishop Ludi will be here with us. Now, he's planted 1,500 churches in Africa. We've just done a remarkable work. So if you, if you want to have an African bishop and have him lay hands on you and talk to you, this would be a great time for you to be there. And then I, want to, I think we've got to get like 50 people out to that uh, marriage date night. So we got, like, I need three more couples. If you haven't signed up yet, it'd be fun to have you. And then we can get a bigger room. And then the next week's the best dressed fan. Now, people are making fun of me because I've been picking out wrong teams, but I'll pick out the right team next week. <laughs> All right, John chapter 18, and uh, I'm kicking off a series here called At Face Value. Uh, I want to highlight uh, the values uh, of our church, which I think is timely. Vision and values tend to flow together. And vision is so important, but to be honest, like in, in today's world, most churches share similar vision. We're trying to reach the world around us. We want to see Jesus be exalted, him in the center of our lives. But I was just, you know, even this morning I was thinking about how many scandals have rocked the church world. I was watching Jake Tapper on CNN. He's doing a show on political scandals because they exist there. It's like everywhere. And so what people are after in today's world are values. Because the values actually are the distinctives that help set apart and clarify what you're after. And I want to highlight the values that we have as a church. What are the values we have? And, and so I'm going to just start here with, uh, if you have your Bible, we'll be in actually 3 John. You go to 3 John, but I want to read John chapter 18. I want to read verse 37 and 38. When Jesus was before Pilate and he asked, are you a king? And Jesus said, you rightly say I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I'd come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for the truth. And I pray, God, that we'd hear it in hearts and minds. It would stir us up, wake us up. I thank you today that this is uh, the day that you've made. We can rejoice. We can be glad in it. We can grow in the things of God. And I pray for a supernatural impartation today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. You know, when I was in high school, I had a friend named Bob. And uh, I went to school with him, you know, since elementary school. He transferred to Laurel High School, where I was from, from West High, because he'd gotten in trouble. And uh, my friend Bob told me he could get me a contraband. You know what a contraband is? Something you're not supposed to have. I won't say what it was. But uh, when I paid him a little money, and he could not deliver on his word, uh, he said, well, let's come over at my house. I think it's there, and we'll search around. So I'm like 16, and we're going through his cupboards and his basement, out in the shed and the garage. And as I'm walking around with him, it starts setting in on me. This dude's lying to me. Like, like that, none of that's true. You know, he, he's lying. So when you're young, you're gullible. Come on, somebody. And being lied to is what gives you street smarts. You know, you can always tell the difference between truths and lies when you have a little street smarts. Isn't that right? Now, the Apostle John is a great example of a man who used the word truth. Uh, I'm in 3 John, and he uses the word truth more than any other New Testament writer. I felt the Lord led me to this book because it's a relational book. Third John is a book about relationships. It's a book about the truth. Christianity is relational. Church is relational. And I remember the very first Sunday we ever had at this church, we were in my grandma's living room. Some of y'all might have even been there. And I began a series about the church and what we valued. And I started with the idea of relationships. And that's great. It's just that over time, what I've learned is that relationships, in order for them to work, they have to be rooted in the truth. Without truth, 
it's very hard to make relationships work long term. So we value truth. That's the first value I want to highlight, why we value the truth. It, truth is, is really, uh, the word means it's something based in fact. Truth is based in rock-hard reality. And in today's world, the truth is being undermined at an incredible rate. So let me just give you a few inconvenient truths to the modern world. Truth, truth number one, men cannot have babies. I, I'm I was explaining it to my child. It's an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. They can find skeletons and they can determine if they were men and women. Uh, sin is wrong. That's the truth. And the Bible defines sin. It, it, it refers to it from sexual immorality all the way to gossip and hatred in your heart. It covers a wide gauntlet of things. And truth is there's a consequence coming for the things you've done. It's called reaping what you've sown, whether it's of the flesh or of the spirit. That's the truth. It's going to happen to you. And Truth is that eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real. There are eternal consequences. So I want to give you a couple thoughts about truth. And I, I love 3 John. 3 John, verse 1, a book you may have had some trouble finding. It's all the way at the back of your Bible if you couldn't find it. 3 John, verse 1. The elder, that's John, to the beloved Gaius, whom he said, I love, and if you could read the Greek language right, it's I love in the truth. I love in truth. Here, here's what this tells me. That truth is the basis for trust. He said, I love this man Gaius in the truth. I trust him. Trust is the belief in the reliability, the, the ability, the strength of someone or something. And this is how John began his epistle. In fact, this is how he began the previous epistle, 2 John. He, he referred to himself as the elder. He was the longest living apostle. He lived all the way into his 90s. If you, if you know church tradition, they tried to kill him by boiling him in hot oil, but the man would not die because he had to be alive to read the book of Revelation, right? So in 2 John, he's writing to the elect woman, who, who is considered to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. But here in 3 John, he's writing to this man named Gaius, which is a very common name in the Roman Empire in the first century. The scripture mentions three men named Gaius. Gaius of uh, Corinth, Gaius of Macedonia, Gaius of Derby. We don't know if this is the same Gaius. But he's repeating to Gaius what he said to Mary. I love them in the truth. Now, obviously, John knows these people. And he trusts Gaius. He trusts Mary. Later, we'll see that he trusts a man named Demetrius. Knowing the truth is what makes a person trustworthy. Say trustworthy. Trustworthy. Yeah, see... Uh, there, there's a certain level of honesty that comes when you have the truth. Being honest is not always easy. Because what the truth demands is a little bit of vulnerability. That's what I tell my kids. Because I've got one kid, he loves to tell the truth probably too much. <laughs> and I've got another one who has a hard time telling all the truth. So we just tell her, hey, listen, it will be better if you just told the truth than try to cover it up. And the funny thing about people, they have the hardest time telling the truth sometimes. But you know who the hardest person to tell the truth is to? Sometimes it's yourself. If you can just tell the truth to yourself, then you, you can have an honest relationship. Truth can start working in your own life. See, what that requires is sincerity. We took communion this morning with bread of sincerity and truth. There, there's a certain sincerity in truth. I like sincere people because they're not pretentious. They're not wearing masks. And, you know, that's one of my ministry philosophies, man, that I, I like to teach the scriptures with simplicity. I love sincere people. The ministry requires sincerity, and the ministry is a sacrifice, which we'll talk about later on in the series. 
Now, I'm really not interested in pretentious people. I'm not interested in people who, you know, pose and, and, and put on false fronts. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know many pretentious people. Well, if you want to find some, just get onto social media. They're right there. They're trying to make themselves look amazing in their lives. They want to believe. If you're watching on Facebook, hello out there. Yeah. They, 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 you know, it's so easy. It's human nature to kind of make yourself look so good if you can. Uh, there's an integrity in being truthful. Because telling the truth reveals the character of a person. I was telling you, I went to Elder Grove with my friend Bob. We had another friend there at Elder Grove whose name was Josh. You know, in the eighth grade, Josh brought a gun to school. 380 automatic loaded in his backpack. Now, some, I think my friend Nick told me he had a gun. And Josh was walking around with the backpack, and he was doing this in the air, and he'd throw that backpack up, loaded with books and a loaded gun, hoping it would land and the gun would go off. I remember walking, you know, back to school, you know, to the classroom in the eighth grade there with him. And the principal somehow found out that that dude had a gun. He went and found the most honest person he could find. That was me. He said, he said, come out here. And he said, does this boy have a gun? And I, I, you know, in the eighth grade, you don't want to tell the truth. But I thought to myself, there's, there's an intimacy that happens when you, there's integrity involved in these situations. Uh, there's, there's an intimacy that happens when you've got truthfulness in your life. Because love can only exist in the light of truth. And if you don't have open, honest relationships, that's where Satan can sneak in because he's so good at creeping into the dark. Yeah, I, you know, I try to be as open and honest with I can, as I can with my wife, with, with people I'm accountable to at church. I, I try to have that honest, transparent, truthful relationship and things around me. That's what John had here with Gaius. It's the baseline for relationships is honesty. Do you trust the person? That's what John did. He trusted Gaius. And Gaius has a name that's forever recorded in scripture because he was a man who was trustworthy. He said, this is Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, this is a great epistle, 3 John. And it's short, but it's rich with nuggets. And I'd, I'd hate to skip over, you know, 3 John 2 about prospering and being in health. And, and I, but I, I want to highlight verse 4. Look at verse 4. Here's what he said. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, here's a thought for you. When you have truth in your life, you know what it does? Is it puts you at ease with people. The truth will put you at ease in relationships. It makes relationships very easy when you know the truth is there. One of the most incredible things about being truthful is that it's relieving, it's soothing, it has a disarming nature to it. It's like, oh, it alleviates stress. I mean, you imagine the relief that Thomas had when he got to see the resurrected Jesus. And he got to put his hand in his side. And all the other apostles got to see Jesus resurrected. What about Thomas? I'm sure he just felt like, oh, wow, I get to see the Lord. There's a great verse, Mark chapter 5, the story with the woman, the issue of blood. And it says, she came to him and she told him the whole truth. She shared everything that she, I've been sneaking through the crowd. I'm just trying to touch the hem of your garment. And when you tell the truth, everything's out in the open. Things become very easy in life. Easy. The truth puts you at ease with people. Because what it does is it takes away any room for doubt. It brings clarity. So there's no confusion in life. You know, the, the waters uh, are, are not so muddied. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not the smartest person, but I do know not to drink muddy water. If you drink from a murky spring, you'll get a tummy ache. And the Bible says you should be very careful to drink from 
truthful cisterns. You shouldn't drink from murky wells. The truth is something that's comforting. You know, you have peace and joy when you've got truth in your life. You know, I remember my dad. I, I was that rebellious teenage boy in high school. And my dad had been praying for me, my mom and dad, for a long time. When I rededicated my life, dad was a lawyer, and he took me down to the courthouse. And I remember we were sitting there going through whatever things we were going through, and I just remember he sat back, and he smiled, and he said, you know, the only thing that really matters, it's brought me such great joy in my life. I'll never forget him saying that. And that is the prayer of many parents and many grandparents. It's a deep need that your children might walk in the truth. There's something about that that's so sacred, so so deep. And if you knew your kids were right with God, I mean, think about the ease that you have in your life, the joy that it would provide. When, when truth is there, man, it's easy to be with people. Yeah, the truth is the thing Jesus said that sets you free. That's John 8. You get free from bondage. That's what the Lord did. He set me free from the bondages and the things that held me back. The truth will set you free from baggage. I know people who are walking around with bags, like bags of rocks, the weight of the past, the difficulty of pain in their life and past relationships. And I know people like that. It's like they're carrying things because they're believing lies. But if you know the truth, you know it can set you free. The truth has the ability to set you free from offenses. It gives you the ability to be free to forgive people. You know, you can always tell when you have forgiven somebody or when someone has forgiven you because they're at ease in your presence. It's like there, there's no drama. There's ease. You can tell you're received. And listen, I have lived long enough to have experiences like that. I've had difficult conversations. I've had to confront people. I've had run-ins with difficult moments. And, and yet when I know I've been forgiven, when I know I have forgiven someone, there's an ease that comes in that relationship, and it makes me so happy. That gives me a great sense of joy to know that truth is there, and I can walk in ease. Aren't you grateful for the truth? It'll set you free, and it will make your life so much easier. I tell my kids, it's easier to tell the truth because you won't have to remember the lies. If you just tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Just be honest. It makes life easy for you. Now, 3 John, it's a great epistle. All right? And I hit the, what's, what's the beginning part of it. All right? that's, that's the introduction. Uh, but I'm going to highlight the last two verses. I'm the beginning and the end. So I want to jump down to the end of the epistle, and I want to read in verse number 12. Here we've got a man named Demetrius. Some people think this was Demas that Paul was dealing with. Demetrius, he says, has a good testimony from all and of the truth itself. And he said, we bear witness, and you know our testimony is true. Now, here's what the verse tells me about truth-telling. It tells me that the truth is worthy of respect. When you tell the truth, it's worthy of my respect. It's worthy of your respect. It is an admirable quality. It speaks to your character. It reveals the reputation that you have. And the scripture says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. There's something wonderful about having a good reputation. You know, 3 John revolves around three people. Uh, Gaius, who's the recipient of the letter. He earned the trust of John. And then you got Diotrephes. I skipped over him. He's in verse 9. If you look at your Bible in that little epistle, you'll see this man named Diotrephes who was a drama llama. He loved to have the preeminence. That's what the scripture says about him. Uh, he was pratting against people with malicious words, which means he, you know, he, he just gossiping about people, slandering them, talking bad about them. You can always tell when someone's truthful and trustworthy by the words that they're saying. 
Because if they're saying bad things about, you, about someone else, I guess what I've learned, they might say bad things about you too. That's a little rule you can bank on. If they talk bad and private about somebody else, they'll be talking bad about you when they get the chance. So here you've got Diotrephes. Now, I've been in church my whole life, long enough to meet this man. Not, not like literally, but I've just met people who crave to be the center of detention. Always having something to say, always wanting to jump in the middle and, and say something and be the spotlight. And I found them to be critical. I found in moments they can be undermining, say things that are not flattering. And so I'm a little watchful about it. I'm a little watchful when I see these things. And then we got Demetrius, who we mentioned here in verse 12, who was commended for his character. It's like you could sense the substance that he had. I mean, think about what Paul's saying. He, like, like th- this is a guy who's got a good testimony. It, it, it was something he could discern. You know, you need your discernment if you're going to identify trustworthy people. First John chapter 1, verse 27, he talked about having an unction from the Holy Spirit. And that unction helps you know truth. So you need to have discernment in your life operating so that you can identify truthful people. And what I found out is the more truthful I am, the more easy it is for me to identify other truthful people. There's something about discernment in operation. Now, the thing about Demetrius is that he's someone who's worthy of respect. See, some people demand your time like Diotrephes, and other people deserve your time. That's what Demetrius was. My time does not just go to everybody. I give my time to people that I feel like are very sincere and trustworthy and honest people. I don't have time to waste. I'm getting older. I've been on a remodel. I've got little children. I mean, time is very finite. And so I got to be very careful where that goes. Where does my attention go? Where does my focus go? It's going to go to people who are worthy of respect. Now, respect has got some profound implications to it, because we respect people that we value. Everyone is valuable. Everybody. And, you know, I've got two sisters, and I I question if they're, but they are valuable. I'm like, oh, no, they're valuable. (laughs) But, you know, not everyone's honest, are they? Not everyone is honest about their life. And the truth is a valuable thing. It's, it's respectable. Proverbs chapter 23 says you ought to buy the truth and not sell it. It's a valuable thing. If you've got truth, you've got a valuable connection. You've got a valuable relationship. We respect people that are truthful. We respect people that are faithful. You know, Jesus is called faithful and true. And faithful people are people who are tested. That, that, in other words, they have a good testimony, just like... Uh, Demetrius had here. They, they, they can be tested in, in moments, and, and they'll come through. And Scripture says, who can find a faithful man? Now, I, I sure appreciate some of the leaders in this church, man. I appreciate Pastor Daniel. I appreciate Pastor David. I appreciate hearing Paul Bledy up here talk about three years of praying for things that God did for him, because, you know, he's a faithful man. He shows up every week, and even if he doesn't feel like it, he still comes. <laughs> That's called being faithful, and God answers prayers of people like that. Faithfulness is a mark of loyalty. Not flashy, but faithful. And that will earn you the respect of people and the Lord. We respect people who've got good reputations. John's like, if you trust me, the apostle John, who lived with Jesus, trust this man, trust Gaius, trust Demetrius. Yeah, trust uh, Demetrius. You know, I think about men that I have had respect for. Pastor Larry Stockstill. Man, he's been a great mentor. I took Pastors University with him. Years ago, they were connecting us with other area leaders, and I remember I got a phone call from a guy named Mike Ware. You remember Pastor Mike Ware? He's our church overseer. 
He, I'm going to have him up here in April. That's when he was able to come through this year. And I just was like, man, how grateful. I trust Pastor Larry. He introduced me to a great man named Mike Ware, who, who has been so instrumental in my life. We had Chris Michelson here a few weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, Chris, he, he worked with Reinhard Bonnke, who saw 70 million people come to the Lord, mostly in Africa. And Brother Bonnke had the most incredible reputation for integrity. And I could just see that in Chris's life. Man. I love that same value, that same DNA that's worked out. And when, when you know people who are trustworthy, man, it becomes a wonderful thing. They're worthy of your respect. Chances are, trustworthy people you know are truthful, faithful, and loyal. Aren't you grateful for people like that in your life? Now, 3 John is a sweet and short book. Short and sweet. Have you ever heard a sermon from 3 John 13? I don't know that I ever have. This is the end of the, the, end of the verse right here. The end, of the, the end of the book. He said, I have many things to write. You know, this is John. He could go on and on and on. He's the Apostle John. He's seen a lot of his life. But he said, I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I'm tired of writing on parchment, he said. I hope to see you shortly, and we can speak face to face. Someone say face to face. He said, peace to you. Our friends greet you. And then he says, greet the friends by name. Now, he uses some interesting Greek words right here. And, and the, the words he uses kind of tell me something uh, about that, that's profound about relationships. And here, here's the fourth thing I want to say. Real relationships require truth. The real ones, the authentic ones, the deep ones, the meaningful ones, the ones that matter, the, the ones that uh, you know, are true and genuine and sincere. And he uses it in the phrases face-to-face and friends. He started the epistle by calling them beloved, but he ends it by calling them my friends. It reminds me of what Jesus said in John 15. No longer do I call you servants, but I'm going to call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what I'm doing, but a friend knows what I'm doing. If you want to be a friend of God, you'll get to know the secrets. He'll reveal things to you like Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She knew the secrets. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more of a friend you are to him, the more the secrets. That's called a real relationship. Three times in third John, he said, I am writing to the church. I wrote to the church. He mentions the church. This is the purpose of the church. I love the church. I've had pain in church. Churches are filled with drama, all right? But I like church. It speaks to what we value. And this is what I love about the church. It's about real relationships. Because here's what your real friends will offer you. They will offer you companionship. You know, Paul had some companions he traveled with. You search the scriptures, you'll find he mentions like 18 different men. Titus, Timothy, Silvanus. He's traveling with, you know, all these men he's going around with and he's mentoring them. And when I like to do things, I like to make sure I've got companionship. I, I feel, you know, better when I've got people around me. I don't like to travel alone. I'm grateful in the last trip I had, I had a friend to travel with. My friend Joel came. That, that helped me out so much. Uh, when I'm working on projects, I like to have people there. It's, it gives me moral support. There's a companionship. When I'm in my house, I, I like to have the noise of children screaming and hitting each other with things. No, I'm teasing. That's, <laughs> I do like the companionship in my home. That's real friendships, right? That's real companionship. Real friends will offer you compassion. Now, I feel like I have grown in my compassion the older I've gotten. I used to sit up here and joke that I didn't have a mercy gift. But I've discovered people live life with a lot of pain. 
lot of mistakes, is what moves you to pray for them. It's what moves you to bless them. It's what moves you to love on them. It's, it's that compassion on the inside of you. And that, that, that's what a real relationship is when you look at someone without judging them, but you can have compassion on them. It's what helps you warn people to stay out of sin. It's not because you're trying to be hard. It's because you want to tell them the truth. That's a real relationship. Your real friends will offer you comfort. I so appreciate the comfort I have received. Man, I was thinking back about times when I needed comfort and the church was there for me. Like when my dad died, I still remember to this day the people that came over and brought meals. I was thankful for that. I think about moments where, you know, my, my grandfather passed away and the church was so good to us. My grandma died here recently, man. We had a wonderful time celebrating that. I think about when my child was in the NICU 40 days and, and the nurses were like, man, you got an army of people who come and visit and comfort you. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for people who comfort me when I'm down. You know, I, I went through a child and I was talking to my friend Jean Erickson in the back over there. Hi, Jean, how you doing? And I was telling her about some things that I went through and she offered me so much comfort. She had comforting advice. And I love that, man. That blessed me so much. I like church when it's filled with people from different generations and age groups and brackets. It's not all just one demographic. It's the, like, I love to hear different perspectives of people who've lived longer, been through things. It gives you a sense of compassion. It helps you want to comfort people. That's a real relationship. And it transcends your age brackets and time. It just, it, it's the beauty of the church. It's a real relationship. You know the best thing about real relationships? They will offer you confrontation. Where would I be without confrontation? I feel bad for people who don't get confronted. Because they end up living in a land that sometimes isn't real. And the amazing thing about this book, the Bible we teach from, is that it's a relational book. And it records the strengths and the weaknesses that people live with. I mean, think about Paul. He, he had honest conversations with people. It says that Paul withstood Peter in the book of Galatians. Can you imagine that? Paul and Peter. And they're going back and forth about a disagreement they had. And by the way, P Peter had a couple of situations like that. I mean, Peter had running with John the apostle. You know, Jesus was saying, Peter's going to be killed. And, and Peter didn't like that. And he looked at John. And he said, what about this man? I mean, what about him, Lord? That's what he was. And, you know, Paul, he, he's got run-ins with Barnabas and John Mark in the book of Acts. I mean, what would have happened if, if Paul hadn't been so headstrong with that? Like, what, what, I mean, what would happen in life? How, how would things change? What I have discovered in confrontation is there is a purpose in the pain sometimes that you go through. There's a purpose. I'm grateful for people who've told me the truth. I'm grateful for people who've warned me. I'm grateful when you've got someone who's trustworthy and will tell you the truth. Because it could just be your best friend. Confrontation and confronters. You, you'll never rise above the level of your ability to confront a situation. When you can confront and tell the truth in a loving way, you've got a real friend. You've got a real relationship. And the worst thing is when you have relationships where you can't tell them the truth. Because those are relationships that may not last over time. Your real friends are the ones who will tell you truthful things. They will tell you that your breath is bad. You should put a mint in. And your flies unzip. They're going to tell you things that you need to know. It's, that's not a real friend. Yeah. So I want to ask you the question this morning. Do you have real relationships in your life that you can trust? you got real people around you. Why or why not? Yes or no? Do you have real relationships? And as I was telling you, you can tell when you've got a real relationship when they put you at ease. When, when, when you can relax in the person's company. 
That is a valuable thing. It's a wonderful thing to have truthful relationships where you can enjoy and relax. That means you don't have to defend yourself. And we live in a time when people, they feel that if any, any sense of attack they have, they feel the need to defend themselves. And the cool thing about getting older is you don't care as much and you feel way less of a need to have to defend your stupid decisions. I can live with things. I can be honest with people. That, it, that's something I value. I value people like that around me. The honesty and the sincerity of a real relationship. And I'm grateful for that. Maybe uh, it has to do with your reputation. Leaving a legacy and having a good name. It's an interesting thing, man. To this very day, I might go somewhere and I'll meet someone who remembers my dad. And they'll say, oh, I remember your dad. He did this for me. He helped me with this. Many times they tell me he blessed them financially. And, and I'm just blessed to hear that. I'm blessed to have a, 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 repu- a good name that was left. A, a legacy that's right there. And that, that's a wonderful thing. You want to be a person like that. You, you want to run your race in such a way that you can be like Demetrius, like Gaius. So when people think of you, they think of a good reputation, a good name. That's called being faithful. That's called honesty before the Lord a truthful relationship with I'm going to live my life in that way. That's something I strive for. And if your relationships are not rooted in truth, man, they're shallow relationships. They, they, they tend to fizzle out. They don't get enough root in that seed for it to grow. You know, I was thinking about Pastor David some years ago. He was preaching one time, and he made a statement I never forgot. He said that in order for you to have a real yes in a relationship, you first of all have to have a no. When you have a no, and a person is okay with that, that's when you know you can have a yes in that relationship. When you can say no to someone and it's okay, you can build a relationship. That's a meaningful one. That's a deep one. Man, I'm so grateful for the relationships that I have. And I just want to pray in, in, with you this morning. I mean, how many of you feel like you want relationships to grow? Truth to come in. You know, I sometimes feel with my personality, like, like I want more and more and more and more and more I'm, I'm, I'm like never satisfied with friends. I want more of them all the time. And I'm always looking. I'm always trying to grow them. I'm always engaged. But I have found that not all of them are honest and sincere. Man, I, I want that in my life. I want honesty. I want truth. That's what King David said. He said, give me truth in relationships. Don't take it. Just start permeating. I pray for truthfulness. I bind the lies of the enemy. I bind every lie that the enemy would come before us. And I pray there would be truth and transparency and honesty. I pray, I pray with a spirit of love to give people a sense of enjoyment and, and security to know who they are in the Lord and you, Jesus. I thank you for the honesty that we have with you. Thank you that all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Father, I just thank you this morning. You're growing us in truth. I pray for eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, enlighten our eyes. I pray the truth of God. In the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. Lord. Yeah, I got my friend Ginger Bonner back there. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm up here praying. I'm thinking about all the tough roads you walk through you know, in life with your family. And I just, I have a, I, I want to pray for you. I feel like the enemy has lied to your children in some ways. Yeah. 
And I want to just, I want to expose that lie, and I want to pray that. So would you stand up, Ginger? Would you stand up back there? Let's pray for Ginger, Father, in the name of Jesus. I just thank you in the home. There's truth. I bind every lie of the enemy. Every lie of the enemy, say, I, I, I expose it, bring it to the light. Father, I thank you for your light to shine on them in the name of Jesus over that home. And I, I pray, Lord, for household salvation. <laughs> you know, Ginger, I just feel like the Lord is going to save your entire household. That's in the Bible. The entire household, all of them. I pray in the name of Jesus. You know, the natural can look like they're far away and they're angry with the Lord, but he has got a way of getting in people's hearts, doesn't he? So, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that, uh, like Cornelius, Ginger, the Lord is going to remember the things you've sown, the stuff you prayed, and he's going to bring salvation into your home. All those things you've been praying for, I pray that in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I feel the Lord on that, man. Maybe you've got kids that are backslidden or rebellious. Let's just pray for your kids right now. Father, I, I bind the lies of the enemy. I pray, Lord, that in families there will be love and truth. And I pray that would be a real distinction in this church, that there would be healthy, whole, honest relationships, sincere ones with fathers and mothers, just like you said in the book of Malachi, that before the coming of the Lord, you'd turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to their fathers so that there would not be a curse, but be blessing on the earth. And I just pray that in this church, I prayed over our homes. I thank you for the blessing of the Lord in this house, in the name of Jesus, whole, honest, genuine relationships. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You all believe that? You think he can turn situations around in your home? Man, all it would take is just people being truthful and walking in love. Hmm. I feel the Lord here this morning. I can't leave without mentioning John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Let me tell you what else he said, what else the scripture says in Proverbs 18. It tells us that Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's always there with you in difficulty. Here's what it means to have Jesus as your friend. That he will tell you the truth. He, he will reveal it to you. Man, he tells me the truth. And that is not always easy to hear. Man, I'd love to tell you, you know, when, when God speaks to me, it's always like roses and flowers and mystical. I've had a couple encounters recently where he has been very truthful and very corrective to me in a way I can understand. He gets the point across to me. And when, when I get confronted by the Lord, when, when, when he exposes sin or convicts me of something, tells me to stop something, what he's doing me is showing me my sin. And maybe here this morning, that's you. Maybe the Lord is here. He's knocking at your heart. And what he's showing you is your sin, the fact that you need a savior. You'd be right with the Lord. It, 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 it's his goodness, the Bible says, that leads you to repentance. Think his goodness in your heart. And he's drawing you and he's pulling you in. And, and, and all that is, is is the precious Holy Spirit saying, I have a better way for you. So if I could get every head bowed, every eye closed, his goodness is knocking at your heart maybe this morning. Maybe you've never fully surrendered to him. Maybe you've fully, never fully given your life to him. Maybe right now you feel convicted of something. Something might be coming to your mind where you think, I got to get that right. That would be the Lord. That'd be his goodness. That would be him as a friend. So I want to pray over you. If you're not right with the Lord, I'd like you to put a hand up. I want to pray with you. Have you get right? Know him. You can leave here today knowing that you are right with God in your heart. Yeah. So I see that hand. I see that hand. Why don't you just pray this with me? Say, Father God, I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And I pray that you come into my life in a full way 
I want to surrender totally to you. I want the relief that comes from knowing you. I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that and you're sincere, man, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to just, you know, welcome you to the kingdom of God. We are so thankful that you came out to church this morning. I do feel just this great sense of compassion uh, for church here this morning. I feel like, you know, you know how, uh, I, I feel like there's a sense of celebration in the air. And I, I can't help but feel that, uh, you know, I, I personally, I feel like if you can get through January and February in Montana, then the rest of the year is downhill. <laughs> so I, I have this feeling like things are going to escalate for spiritually and increase in your life and grow in goodness and mercy this year. Amen. Amen. I can sense it. I sense that God's got great things ahead for us. So let's stand up. It's great to have you out this morning. If you want prayer, the altars are open. We'd love to have you. Don't forget to sign up out there to join us on a date night this week. And don't forget the bishop is here with us. We've got a busy, fun week going on. So if you've got other things going on, sign up for marriage classes. We love you very much. We'll catch you all next week. God bless you. Amen. You sing.